there, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I'm the board game guru and game master extraordinaire, Jahananan. It's me. It's me, Casualty CDG. I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. And I'm just ecstatic to be here, guys. Recently put on lithium. Casualty CDG. I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the funhouse, Drew Munhausen. And if you listen to our last episode, which was episode 53, we talked Thor, Love, and Thunder, in-depth details, spoilers, all the above. Um, This episode is going to be a little bit of a step back to talk about all the other stuff that we have been watching or enjoying recently. But guys, I did it. I've done it. I've witnessed the rise of Gru himself. And his minions, I've seen it. I Ew. saw it. I saw the minions, guys. <laughs> saw them. Are y'all How many... on board the minions craze? I'm on board. This is this is crazy to me. There are there's like what three Despicable Me's in the Minions movie in Rights of Gru? Is that it? Is it just the five, or is this does this keep spanning further than the eye can see? You, you never have to there stop making are... minion movies. You are correct. There are three Despicable Me proper franchise entries. Then there's the spinoff Minions, and this is a sequel to the spinoff Minions, uh, and it is called Minions: The Rise of Gru. Actually, features um... a young Gru, a young Gru. Excuse me. It almost sounds like I could be saying my own name, which is Drew, but this is Gru that we're talking about. Yeah, thanks for the clarity. Uh, I was totally lost, and now I am back. Thank you for showing me the way and showing me the light. I'm actually a pretty big fan of these Despicable Me movies. Uh, I did not see a standalone Minions movie, and I definitely didn't see the prequel to a standalone Minions movie. I'm already caught off guard with Gary's uh, more positive so, than expected before reaction we, to the Minions. Before we get into any of this... Uh, first, I would like to say happy anniversary, guys. It has been officially one year of Fresh Out the Podcast. We did an episode we did. where we talked about the anniversary already. Yeah, but it's on, now it's on, actually yeah. our anniversary, though. Well, we did 50, it was 52 episodes, so it was a year of episodes, but our recording date now is truly a year from. Yes. So it's a little confusing. And Whatever. this episode is going to drop next week. Too. Either so way, just to make it even more confusing, John. E- either way, Drew. Uh, both of you, I got you guys something. I got you guys a present. All right. So just oh, oh, oh I like presents. I've taken all back. I orchestrated right. this. You... I orchestrated Hold on. this before you do this. Uh? Before you even finish, are you okay. about to give us the middle finger? Check under your chairs. Just check under your chairs. I got you guys a present. Just, just go on. Just go on. Go on, look. Drew, I, go I on. lived with him, Drew. Like, go on, I look. know. I, go on. I know it's the middle finger. Just just look under your chairs, though. I, How could Gary, my should I just finger? humor him? Should I humor him? Yeah, he probably put both of our presents under your chair. Here I go. I'm looking under my chair. There he goes. Uh-oh. Look what! Look, Drew. It's the middle finger right here, you idiot. There's nothing under your chair. Yeah. Uh, How would he orchestrate that? You've been in the room, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I thought maybe he'd snuck in here. Oh boy, you got me good on that, dude. 
Thank you. Oh, you got you, you, you got me good on that one. Uh, yeah, sorry. I I didn't mean to be so predictable, Gary, but I do enjoy giving the middle <laughs> finger. I I like the Minions movies, man. I like the super villain aspect, uh, and I liked Mastermind too for the same reason. I kind of like to see a, a silly supervillain CGI kids movie. Uh, maybe I'm just a guilty pleasure that that just kind of calls to me, but I, I like them. I like those movies, and the the minions to me are just kind of silly and dumb. But I like the supervillain, so I think I'm more interested in in what Gru has going on more than the minions. Did you see the first Minions movie? No, no, I didn't. Okay. It's just it's basically the origin of the minions and how lost, they bounced around. You'd be lost. Different, different bad guy to different bad guy, and and how they came. But to you be. have to see the the first Minions movie for Rise of Gru to make sense. If you don't see it, then you won't follow the story. Not at all. Not at all. Um, no. There's some high there concept stuff. High concept that you have to understand going in. No, no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> You want to know something crazy? Despicable Me 3 and the first Minions movie both grossed over a billion dollars. Isn't that crazy? That's, that is not surprised crazy. about that. That's a lot of money. Those are, those are fun. Those are good, fun movies. Those are a blast, bro. Well, I, would ask no, I, gonna, be, uh, I would ask if there's going to be another oh, one, but if it grossed a billion dollars, of course there's going to be another one. Well, the newest one is definitely raking in more and more money so it's it's definitely already an early success especially i don't know if y'all saw the gentle minions trend and social media buzz all the people it, going you know, to people. the movie dressed in suits and in stuff suits so. yeah that you was the thing i did actually see some kids nice. at my screening i went during an, an early one in the day but there were still a few kids in suits there they were not disruptive or anything um so it was fine but yeah it was it's it's been a whole thing Anyway, yeah, this movie is uh, there's not really much to say about it, guys. It's a Minions movie. They make me laugh sometimes, and that was consistent in this in this film. It's very, very disposable animated content. Like, I watched it. I got a few chuckles. I moved on, except to just mention it on my podcast that, that I'm on. Otherwise, I pretty much forgot that this movie existed. It's definitely the Minions gonna make a lot of money. Are like... They're like the Three Stooges for kids. There's three of them, generally, right? There's a group of them. They go around. They get in trouble. Uh, a lot of it is like big, silly body humor or things where they're supposed to get hurt or other people fall. Or uh, It's slapsticky, and it's innocent slapstick humor, and that's timeless. Uh, it may not there, be the highest form of comedy. There are indeed they talk three main minions uh, that are in the Minions movies. Their names are Stuart, Kevin, and Bob. So of course they are. There, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a new one in in this one, of course. There's a new minion. I believe his name is Otto. Um, that's and that is that's way Adrian. better than what I thought you were going to say. His name was <laughs> his 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 last name, however, is erotic asphyxiation. So yes. Oh, there, <laughs> there we go. There you go. That's that's it. Yeah, I was. My okay. only complaint cool. about minions too <laughs> is that it it. Uh, Features a little bit too much Gru. You know, there's there's three Despicable Me movies that are all about Gru. This one's a prequel with the rise of Gru, but he's a little kid. But just a little bit too much Gru. If I'm if I'm going to see my minions in theater, just give me more minions. 
It's called it's Rise of Gru, you jerk off. Jeez. <laughs> oh, it's called Minions colon The Rise of Gru. Minions should come first. Wait, there's a colon Not in this group. movie? Oh, God. Oh, let's move on. John's going <laughs> to make me mad. Yeah, that's one thing I can almost guarantee you. Yeah, that's it, he is going to do that. That's how, that's how it happens. That's how it starts. Uh, anyways, <laughs> as far as stuff we've been watching on a more... Uh, I'd say on a more serious note, although there's nothing more serious than the minions. Um, I did see uh, The Black Phone, mm. which is a Blumhouse horror movie that recently came out, uh, directed by Scott Derrickson, starring Ethan Hawke, based on a short story. And uh, I thought the trailers for this looked really good. And Ethan Hawke wearing this mask, if you've seen that in trailers, like I just liked the aesthetic of it. And the trailer looked thoroughly creepy. And the movie's fine. Like, it's not bad or anything. It's not as scary as I thought it would be. Um, so here's you know, the thing. I actually, what it is. I wanted to see Black Phone. We almost went to the theaters to see it. We looked up the time and everything, and we got ready to go and decided not to. Uh, and not really for any particular reason. We just ended up watching some streaming content instead. Um, but I watched the trailer, then I watched it again, and I think I watched it a third time. And the first time I watched it, I was like, boy, that looks scary. And the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, no, that's not scary. That's, like, kind of a, a weird sci-fi mind thriller is what's going on here. It's not really scary. It's more weird and, and, and uh, like Twilight psychological, Zoe. I think. So I'm not surprised to hear that it wasn't really scary. Was it kind of psychological and weird? Yes. Yeah. And Ethan Hawke is very good in it um behind a mask pretty much the entire time uh and still has a really good performance but yes um it kind of it does a lot of time you know how sometimes these horror movies will like you know within the first 15 minutes this because if you don't know the premise of the movie is there's a, a guy called the grabber who's been abducting children in this town and then the main boy gets <laughs> don't finds himself in a don't room. get grabbed by the grabber he is called the Grabber. You Why did they call by him the that? Grabber. And, <laughs> and he is in a room that's with just a bed and a phone um, being held captive there. And the phone rings and he speaks to the ghosts of children that have been previously abducted. Um, that's the general premise. It takes like a good 30 plus minutes or so into the movie before the main kid even ends up there. So it spends a lot of time kind of building up the, the history of this of the grabber, which I know y'all are going to laugh every time I say that. That is what he's called in the movie. Um, it becomes, yeah, Gary, to your point, it becomes more of like a psychological, you know, is he going to escape and how are all these pieces going to kind of tie together and, and are they going to find where he's at? There are a lot of supernatural aspects to the, to the movie, like involving his sister and things I won't get into. Um, so, but I will say there are a few moments in it with some really, um, really spike your anxiety in a way, like of like sneaking past a sleeping person trying to escape, and you know that kind of like feeling of dread that's done really well. Um, so if you're into that kind of thing, that's not necessarily a make you jump horror, but more of an edge of your seat, you know. Right, oh and it's God, not a lot of really. It didn't seem like a lot of gore either, right? Which is one of my bigger things. I don't want to see a whole lot of gore. 
No, there's really not. Now that you say it, I mean, there are some some intense scenes or like, you know, where there's ghost children and you see a little bit of them. But a lot of times they're kind of in the background and they're not even immediately on display. So, yeah, it's it's not anything too, too bad. So I haven't seen it, but <clears throat> would it be fair to like, I, I don't know, for, to, to say to me, it, it kind of looked like similar to an early M. Night Shyamalan type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It looked like it, it was kind of smart and twisty and you didn't know it was going to happen. And it makes you, you know, it's scary, but it's not scary. It's actually a, a good way to put it, like maybe a little bit more tonally in line with The Sixth Sense, which is, I think, of those early M. Night Shyamalan, probably the scariest one, because um, there are some one, ghosts yeah. and, and some jumps in it. And uh, so maybe more in line with that. There's not a lot of jump scares in this movie at all. It's just like you said, it's a thriller. It's it's. Yeah, so um, that's actually a pretty good comparison, a little bit more R rated because there's, you know, some language and and there are you know there is some imagery of de- you know de- i want to say dead children but like heavily kids, made yeah. up ghost ghost <laughs> dead children that don't necessarily to me don't resemble anything real enough to be overly traumatic if that makes sense yeah so, um, it's yeah okay. it's okay it's not the best movie i've seen but i i enjoyed my time i had a really terrible theater experience for this just Ooh. on a weekday night going to see it um with disruptive people going in and out i you would think on a weeknight it would be fine but we are in the middle of the summer and people are going to the movies again and there were a lot of teenagers that were running in and out of the theater during this uh. one that were really awful really terrible yeah that's no and good. they were the types of ones that if you tried to call them out for what they were doing instead of uh backing down they would just they would just try to make your night even worse does they that mean you called them out drew no i i did not okay. other people did and uh it was yeah it was it was unfortunate so anyway, Ooh, that, that sounds like my type of theater experience. <laughs> yeah, Gary will yeah. get all get all loud. Oh. Mm-hmm. No, oh, they yeah. will be out of the. Uh, I'll take I'll take them out of the fucking theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to hurt anybody to take them out of the theater. We we didn't talk about our theater experiences for Thor. Uh, the only thing I wanted to say about that was I there was a lady in the back. And every now and again, she'd be like, "Ha!" <laughs> like, it was just really good. Wow, Jahan's uh, mad at somebody for laughing and having a good time. I wasn't mad. It was funny. <laughs> it was like that lone uh, laugh in the dark that everyone would it would like cascade. Everyone else would start laughing. My theater was packed, but quiet and respectful. Nobody was shining their phone in anybody's eyes. Nobody was stomping around being a jerk off. Um, and there was one cheer in the theater when they said that Doc Jane Foster was from New Mexico. Other than that, everybody else kept to their seats, kept to themselves. It was uh, nice and polite. It was a great experience at Thor. That'd a good one, too. Uh, on the topic of movies, I also watched The Bad Guys, which I know, Gary, you've seen. You've talked about it on here before. I did um, it's not like it. On Peacock now. And, I mean, it was... Uh, about as disposable, if not more so, than Minions was, like I was saying. Like, it... I, it it wasn't offensively bad or anything, but there wasn't anything all that memorable about it. I will say this about it. I liked the animation style. Like, it kind of... I don't know. It had a little bit of an interesting... Looney Tunesy. 
It was, yeah, where they were three dimensional, but their eyes almost looked like they were hand drawn two D. It was, it was different. There was something that was kind of striking there. It's really the only thing about it that stuck out at all. It's still, I'll still always remember that it was like a bad Zootopia, and then I turned around to go watch Zootopia immediately afterwards and loved Zootopia. I could totally, uh, now, I remember you saying that before, and now having seen it, there were definitely things in it that made me think of Zootopia, especially because there's a Fox um, police character in the movie, and there's one of the main characters in Zootopia is a Fox, and they're just, they're, they're worked into these societies differently, I guess. Um, yeah, the, the way that the Zootopia society is, is like this animal society that's really cool with all these different, like, biomes and creatures and they work all these daily jobs but in the bad guys it's just like these cartoon characters kind of thrust into a human world uh haphazardly and i I didn't think it played quite as well i thought the zootopia world was way more thought out yes i totally agree totally agree Uh, zootopia actually stands alone as a really really great animated movie the bad guys is, is very disposable animated content i like i would love to get a zootopia sequel i like the hamster businessmen in zootopia they're adorable the mobster no the little hamsters that he feeds all the little popsicles to oh yeah 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 it's adorable um the other only other movie i wanted to mention i actually let's see at the time this episode drops this movie will have just come out in theaters i actually as as of the time we're recording my review for it is under embargo um until tuesday but i'll just give a few thoughts um and it's called where the crawdads sing um this is a have y'all heard of this not even a whisper so this is a, a super super popular book that came out in 2018 and um, it kind of rose to prominence because Reese Witherspoon, I guess, featured it in her book club that she does through social media. That's very popular. And it made this book like one of the best selling books of all time. It sold like 12 million copies. It's a, it's a very popular book. It's kind of a uh, murder mystery. It, it, there's, there's a girl who lives in the marsh and she's being accused of a murder and it's a it's a did she or did she not do it kind of thing while flashing back to some um, romance subplots in the in the book and movie. So anyway, they made, of course, they made a movie of this that's um, executive produced by Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. and stars Daisy Edgar Jones. And um, I don't want to go, like I said, because we're recording right now. I'm under embargo. Yeah, you can't but say I think much. I can give. But I can give some just like general social media esque thoughts, and I'll just say, tonally, it kind of feels like if a murder mystery met the Notebook. Like that's kind of I I went into this expecting more murder mystery drama, and it's much more romantic, like the Notebook stuff, but. On, with the setting of like a murder mystery that's happened. So that's all I'll, I'll really say about it. So it kind of left me wanting... I, 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 just, I just didn't know what to expect going in, and I wanted a little bit of column A, and I got more of column B, if that makes sense. So, yeah, sure. But that's where the crawdads sing. My, at the time this has posted, or this audio goes up, my review will have posted on Nerdtropolis. 
nerd-traplist.com go there to read it um and find out more about what i thought but yeah that's where the crowd had to sing i'm interested to see how this movie does you know um movies are doing well right now like the the box office is kind of back at least for now for the summer people are going to the movies uh, but it's been a lot of the big tentpole blockbusters. You know, obviously we just had Thor Love and Thunder and we've had Minions do really well and we've had Top Gun just chugging along and um, Jurassic World Dominion. You know, m- movies are, are making money. Boo. A movie like this <laughs> that's based off of a big, a, a very popular book. I'm, I'm just interested to see how it does at the box office. So remains to be seen. Any movies that y'all been checking out recently? Uh, you mentioned Jurassic uh, Jurassic World again. Uh, I just quick thought on that. So my mom finally like started watching it, uh, and like about like twenty or thirty minutes in, I think it was a scene where Blue has like a child. She like shrugged, and was like eh, and she went upstairs. <laughs> so there's a review from my mom of Jurassic World. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's a fair review. Yeah. I think that's completely fair. Like, if I was writing for a newspaper, I could just write "meh" walks out of room. <laughs> that's a pretty fair review of Jurassic World. Uh, movies. I think the only movie on my list uh, was Chrissy Hemsworth in Spiderhead. You uh, know, I've been wanting to watch this. I haven't yet. Um, it's the same director that did Top Gun Maverick. And uh, and Miles Teller's in, in it, and you know he's in Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, so. and they actually but I, but I know snuck this, is this like... one out. This is one of the newest additions to the Spider-Man movie uh, series. Yeah. They snuck this one out on the down low. Spider-Head. If he you guys want to check this out, he has a spider head. Uh, mm-hmm. None of the other powers. Spoiler alert. Yeah, uh, he's just a normal guy with a spider's head. Drew hates this, so let's continue Netflix. Y'all lose. I just my brain just goes. No, I'm out. And I, let, I let y'all. Finish. I watched him just turn off his brain. Uh, but yeah, Netflix. Um, Spiderheads on Netflix. It. So a lot of people crapped on this movie. Said it was terrible. Um, I liked it. I don't know. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I just like Journey Smolt, who's also in this movie. Uh, Miles Tetler, I thought did pretty well i thought chris hemsworth gave a very good performance in this movie um but long story short about it it is about an alternative prison uh where you volunteer to have pharmaceuticals tested on you in exchange for getting to not be in a regular prison it's like a really nice prison with like gourmet food and like no like yeah what's up i watched this entire movie and forgot (laughs) <laughs> i mean yeah that's a review uh i kind of forgot too but then i was trying to think of like everything i watched and i was like oh yeah spiderhead uh it was it was fine it was definitely i mean it's on netflix you don't have to pay money for it if you already have netflix this movie is is it's a decent movie going experience uh journey Smalls great and there's some weird stuff it, it's got some interesting like themes in it it's got some cheap laughs um <laughs> It's got some really cheap laps. So I, I would say the, the important, the important notes I, w- I would say of Spiderhead are Thor is playing a doctor yes. who is testing drugs on prisoners. Yes. And the drugs make them either full of rage or lust. 
and yes. you can kind of see how that story plays out. See, that makes it sound way cooler than it is, because I would watch that movie uh, again. Well, that I is not... what that is. It is, like, technically, but, like, in my mind, you're bringing up, like, oh, man, like, they just, like, put them full of rage juice and let them go at it and beat each other, or, like... In... Yeah, I mean, it's, like, more in, like, a padded room behind glass, yeah. but, yeah. It wasn't actually rage it was terror juice. Uh, it would like pure terror juice, uh, which is pretty fun. Good name for a band. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was, I definitely would not be like, this is the greatest movie ever, but it, it was definitely a decent movie to watch, especially it's a good Netflix movie. It's a passable Netflix yeah. movie. I, I, I will check this out at some point. I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of mixed things about it, but I've seen people that are positive on it and, and have said the same thing as you, Jahan, where it's like, Hey, you know, I enjoyed this. It's not the most memorable thing in the world, but, like, there's something to find here. I actually thought Chris Hemsworth did a good job. I thought his performance was pretty good. Nah, Chris Hemsworth was pretty bad. He's a pretty bad villain. That movie could have been totally different. It would have been a different villain opposite Miles Teller. It could have really been a a striking uh, performance, and instead it was kind of forgettable. It could have been, I guess it could have been, like, more... It could have been more of a, like... Cerebral? Cerebral. Yeah, that's the word I was going to use. I was trying to think of a different word, actually. Uh, But yeah, cerebral. This is one of those movies that was filmed during COVID, and I've heard that that's very prominent throughout. Like, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, not very many people together at once, people in separate rooms kind of thing. There is a lot of that. That's so weird. You could tell from a mile away. That's so weird to think about. All right. That, uh, that was all I'm a mark for Miles Teller. I'm going to watch anything with Miles Teller in it. Fantastic Four. Fantastic robbed. Four. <laughs> Whiplash. Spiderhead. Give me my Miles Teller. <laughs> I don't uh, necessarily like him, but I find him interesting. And especially like after him. seeing Top Gun Maverick. I'm like, ah, and if, if he, he might win me over in Spiderhead. I don't know. I'd, I'll have to see it. He's so, he's like, hateable. He's definitely not going to win you over in Spider Egg. <laughs> he's so hateable. You just want to punch him in his hateable face. Yes. That's it's why I think he would have been a good has, Han Solo. Because Han Solo's kind of supposed to be annoying and hateable. And you kind of want to punch Han Solo in the face. Yeah, but you can't mm-hmm. cast Miles Teller as Han Solo. Because eventually Han Solo becomes handsome. And that's just not going to happen with Miles Teller and his weird face. Yeah, nah, he's a goofy-looking bastard. He is. What else have you been watching, Jahan? Anytime, anything big movies times? Big movies? No, that's all my movies. I've watched a lot of shows. I didn't realize how many until I was putting this list together. But uh, well, let's talk about let's talk about some of your favorite shows. Uh, I haven't I haven't watched any movies my, in years. One of my outliers, one of my weird ones that is probably like eyebrow raising. I watched the first couple of the Terminal List with Chris Pratt. Um, it is a, it's like a military, like, spy kind of thing, kind of like, you know, uh, Jason Bourne or, um, what's a better example? What's the one with Tom Cruise that's not Mission Impossible? Yeah. Jack Reacher. It's I can't like believe that. you watched that. Yeah, I know. Well, so, I like, I like family time. I like watching it with my parents. Um, you know, my dad on Sundays. This is his chick. This is his genre. He loves this, like, spy. You know, this is very... This is dad stuff. This is a dad show, dude. Uh, but 
I don't know. It's there's a little bit too much Star Spangled Awesome in this for sure. A little, a little bit of American exceptionalism going on on screen. A little bit of a little white savior, if you know what I mean. But uh, honestly, it's not. It's Chris interesting. Pratt? No. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's interesting. It it is you know like Jack Reacher. It's it's like all of those things I listed, but like they also have this like psychological. Uh, part where he has it's it's not just that he has severe PTSD that's been done you know what I mean it's that uh, he doesn't know if what he's seeing is real and honestly like some of it you don't know as the audience either in the first couple episodes it's uh, you know it's like you're wondering if you're really watching what's happening or not Uh, and it was pretty good I was engaged in the first two episodes which surprised me because I don't like Chris Pratt that much uh yeah, yeah. I saw the trailer for this, and I saw Chris Pratt playing an army guy, and I was <laughs> like, okay, I get it, like, I'm good, I'll skip it. It wasn't bad. Another show where you're gonna have Chris Pratt not be funny, like, doesn't sound like <laughs> what I wanna watch. It wasn't bad, I, I, I did enjoy it, uh, I thought it was interesting, I don't know, uh, but it definitely doesn't benefit from having specifically Chris Pratt, you could put a lot of people in this particular spot, I don't think he adds too much to it, but, yeah. It was it was okay, um, man. I've been watching a lot of stuff. Gary's been watching this one. Uh, this is an animated show on Netflix, Dead End Paranormal. Oh yeah, Terminal. This is on Prime, by the way. Uh, I didn't say that. Dead End Paranormal Park is an animated show on Netflix uh, about a kid who leaves his home uh, because you know his parents are kind of messed up about uh, some. Well, I mean, it's about some trans issues. Like, uh, they didn't speak. It's a whole thing. Um, The show was brought up to me because I love Gravity Falls. And it was like, hey, if you like Gravity Falls, you should check out. And I was like, yeah, right. Watched the first episode. I was like, huh, this is not not bad. I don't think it's going to be as good as Gravity. And then I watched the second episode. I was like, man, this is pretty good. And then I I kept watching them. This show's fantastic. I love this show. I love the characters. Uh, It's about... Uh, he lives at the theme park, and then he has a friend who doesn't, but they both work at this theme park. It's kind of like Dolly Parton's theme park kind of style thing. It's like, it's an actress's theme park, and it like has all the zones for her movies and stuff, and the, uh, the girl that works with uh, this the main character is a big fan of hers. Uh, and just crazy stuff goes on. Uh, there's a talkie dog and there's a demon as a main character, uh, but it is, I believe, rated G or PG. Uh, it is a uh, acceptable for children show, and a lot of great representation. It's done very well, and just a lot of really cool like lore, monsters, mythology, good times. It is a good like almost kids on bikes, but kind of like a little older supernatural cartoon show. It's very fun. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'm going to echo what Jahan said. It's it's very cool. It reminded me of Gravity Falls, but nothing is Gravity Falls. You know, it's so so don't go in with the expectation it's going to be as good as Gravity Falls. But it does deal with a lot of that same supernatural stuff. The park is haunted, so there are, you know, ghosts and werewolves and demons and all that sort of thing going on. Uh, and the kids are solving it. And, and you know, it's it's fun. I recommend it. I recommend it for cartoon likers. I feel like I watch a lot of cartoons and not a lot stand out these days. Yeah, uh, and I think that Paranormal Park is worth checking out. If you're an animated fan of animation, then definitely check out Dead End Park on Netflix. Uh, fantastic. 
Um, also on Netflix right now uh, is a show that's not actually a Netflix show. It's a show that I have binge watched in a week. I cannot recommend Alone enough. I, I it's um, I like Survivor, right? I like the idea of Survivor, but once people start playing tug of war and joining teams and getting immunity idols, I think the whole <laughs> thing gets a little silly. Uh, they're not really surviving, right? They're playing a game show on an island where they're also sort of surviving uh, yeah. as like a secondary. But in Alone, of which there are nine seasons now, uh, season eight is on Netflix. They, It's a History Channel show. All the rest of the seasons are on Hulu. I've already started season one now. I plan on watching every season. They take ten contestants to completely deserted places. Uh, the season on Netflix is Grizzly Country in between Oof. Northern California and Alaska Oof. out in uh, deep in a Canadian park. And so there are angry, hungry grizzlies all over the place. Um, ten contestants, they're taken out there. Each of them has like one bag and things they're allowed to bring. You have to live off the land. You have to make your own shelter, make your own fire. And eventually... After, like, the 45-day mark, the showrunners come out and, like, test your vitals to make sure that you're still even capable of performing. Because apparently there was no research for, you know, long-term survival alone in the wilderness. And so they're also using this as sort of a scientific research project. The show is awesome. You win $500,000 if you're the last one out there. And they stay out there for, like I said, over over 40 days, 50, 60, 70 days just so I'm, out I'm, there. I'm looking at this, Gary, because I, you know, I'm interested in this because you, Gary's gone out of his way, like messaged me individually and been like, hey, this show. Me too. Like, he told me. I know this is, I know this is something Gary's into. And I've, I've just been looking at Wikipedia different seasons and it'll list the contestants and it has, you know, the status of who won and whatnot, but it, it'll say like why people tapped out of the show or what and and like this first one of the earlier seasons not to spoil gary i hope this isn't one that you're like watching or something i'm gonna spoil it, but like one guy lasted six hours because he got scared by a bear and like that <laughs> quit after six hours but the winner went 66 days yeah. oh yeah somebody, so that's somebody exactly got medically right. evacuated after a week because he split his tendon with an axe Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, God, that makes me hurt so bad. Uh, and so one of the cool things about watching this show is uh, the psychological effect of them being alone. And it's not filmed with camera crews on the island. It is filmed uh, more like the less, less whatever his name is, survival show. It's not like Bear Grylls where he has yeah. a crew with food. Everyone has GoPros. Everyone has trail cameras. And they have two steady cams. And so everything you're seeing is first-hand accounts where, yeah, the guy the guy who quit out from Bears, it might be the guy who I saw in season one. Literally straight into the episode, there's this guy, and he's like, I used to, I'm a police officer, and, you know, dealing with those wild criminals out on the street is the same as dealing with wild animals in the woods. <laughs> and I just burst out laughing. I was like, you're an asshole. You are like, an that is asshole. not the same thing. So the boat drops him off. And then, like, he turns around and watches the boat leave, and you see his eyes, like, well up with tears as soon as the boat leaves. And he's like, man, it's so weird just seeing them leave you out here all alone. He walks into the woods, like, 30 feet, sees a family of bears in the trees, 
and runs back to the beach and just stays there. He stays on the <laughs> beach. He spends the night on the beach. Bears come and sniff him in the night, and he wakes up and calls and evacuates. And I was like, wow, bro. Dealing with the wild animals on the streets is just like dealing with the wild animals out here, huh? Tell me how tough you are, boy. Without without your people to, to come back you up, without your gun, how tough are you, Mr. Lawman? I mean, that's pretty oh, funny. That guy is, he was such a tool, and, and I think that that would have sold you on the show. Uh, but it's great. There's all these range of people, right? I would love to be a casting director for a reality show like this because I think there's some sort of balance of picking douchebags who you think need to be put in their place and go home and then picking people who have a chance to win. And I always love watching douchebags. At least for good seasons, that's true. Uh, (laughs) I agree. So, yeah, no, I'm actually a big fan of these survival shows, too. Uh, I really like Naked and Afraid, and it's just really hard to find good survival shows. Um, It is. I'm excited to watch this. This is one. I'm excited to watch this. This is not just a good survival show. It's great. There are, like, pop-up tool tips at the bottom left that explain what the people are doing, how much weight they've lost since day one, how many calories are in the food that they're picking up, and how many they'll need to sustain their week. Like, there's all kinds of cool pop-ups and information to keep you kind of clued in. And then every time somebody gives up, uh, like, paramedics come with a camera crew. So you get the first hand, here's what they look like when we get here, here's what they're saying, here's why they gave up. Uh, you see a lot of people dealing with the depression of being alone and without yeah. their family members and how they're trying to, like, build themselves up and psych themselves into staying. Uh, it's just, it's great, man. It's it's a psychological challenge. It's a physical challenge. And it's just, the way it's filmed is also raw and firsthand and real. Um, and it's great to sit here on your couch and eat food in a warm <laughs> building and, like, talk crap about how these people suck and how they're making stupid decisions. It is real fun. Like, it's really, it yeah, real it's just, like, the quintessential American experience to shit-talk survivors uh, from the comfort of my couch. I'm here for it, man. So everybody, please watch Alone on Netflix. Season 8 is on there. There's a character named Biko, and I love Biko. You will probably love Biko. He kind of reminds me of Jahan if Jahan didn't totally suck. Uh, So (laughs) check out Alone on Netflix, then go over and check it out on Hulu. What's left without my suckage, bro? You'll see, man. You'll see. Biko's like... (laughs) I'll see the guy I could have been. Yeah, he's... Uh, endearing and he's funny oh, and he's sweet yeah. he's he sings songs and he's useful gotcha. and likable and you know he's not that much like you because of all the things i said mm-hmm. all right also on hulu uh, i was telling you guys alone is on netflix and hulu also on hulu is the orville i talk about it every week every time i get a chance i try to tell you guys about it um they revisited one of the episodes from season one if you guys remember, if you've seen the Orville, uh, Bordis and Clyden have a child. Uh, they're all Mocklins uh, are supposed to be, I put it in quotes, supposed to be male. If you're born a female Mocklin, then the Mocklins consider you a disgrace and they uh, sex change their children to males. And so there was a whole episode about it in the first season about whether it was right or it was wrong. The crew disagreed with it, uh, but they weren't, uh, you know, the crew's personal beliefs don't overweigh the beliefs of an entire culture of Mocklins. Uh, and so the sex change is done sort of against everybody's will, and the episode ends on sort of this sour note like, oh, crap, that sucked. We revisit that that child. The child's on board the Orville. Uh, he's growing up, but he's having some problems He with, 
identifying. You know, he, he doesn't feel right. It, he's being forced into these different gender roles. And so it is about, again, about the, you know, whether or not it's right to let this child have a sex change, whether it's not right to perform the surgery on board a union ship, what the Mocklins are going to think about it if you go against their word years later after they had a trial and everything. Uh, so it's just a big, moving, impactful episode. These uh, The Orville is just so big. It's such a strong show. Very relevant. Uh, yeah. And then the turnaround in the next week, this most recent episode that I've seen, was um, about... Uh, it, it was really sort of abortion. It was an abortion episode. Ooh, wow. Where... Yeah, where they were trying to decide whether or not it was right to go back in time and take somebody before kids were born. Uh, and so that was sort of the, the, the veil they showed it through. Uh, and they were talking to the different characters about whether or not it would be right to, to, to change the, the course of these kids existing or not. Uh, another powerful episode. The episodes are running about an hour long. So, like, they're deep. You're watching full feature movies, it feels like. The CG on the in the Orville has been turned way up. They got a budget from Disney. I, I keep seeing people asking if we're going to get a season four, if it's going to happen. I hope so. With the amount of money that they spend on the CG and the costumes and the makeup, with Disney kind of re-upping this deal with Hulu and making this happen, I, I think this could be a Hulu flagship show for like 20 years to come. But I don't know. So please go watch The Orville. Go like it. Go watch it. Add it to your yeah. list, please. It's like my favorite show on TV. Please go watch The Orville. I I also really like The Orville. Um, I think I think it will go keep going because of like the budget they're giving it, and also it seems like what they're doing right now in this season is fleshing out like more of the universe and the races and like the cultures and that kind of thing. And that's world building, you know, that's, that's, that's uh story building. And, um, I would even be cool with like, if it became like Star Trek and there's like the Orville deep space nine, you know, like they start doing all these other stuff, you know, dealing with these different facets of these societies. I think that Seth MacFarlane would love that to happen. And I think that's like his, you know, his, his childhood dream, probably, to make the Orville become a, a Star Trek type of flagship name. I don't know if it'll ever get that big, but I yeah. just hope that it's... I hope that the Orville's a big enough name to be a household name. I just really like the universe and the races and, like, species, cultures, and all... I, I love all of what they've built so far. It's been pretty cool. It's it's interesting to me, just the transition, because this was originally, originally a network... TV show, and now it has transitioned to being a streaming-only show. So it sounds like, just based on y'all talking about it, a lot of the hard-hitting topics they're they're doing, and also episode length and everything, could only be done via streaming. So it sounds like, in the long run, they're benefiting from that change. And I know there's a few shows that have done this, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine went from being on TV, I think, to being streaming-only. Or maybe it just switched networks, I can't remember. It just switched um, networks. It got canceled and then picked up by someone else. Yeah. So this, but this, you know, went from being, I think, a Fox show to being a Hulu exclusive, and sounds like that's been a positive change. So kind of neat. Hindsight. Yes, even uh, even when it was a Fox show, it still kind of tackled those hard to hit, uh, hard to talk about subjects. It, it, it kind of went after them and, and and sort of made you uncomfortable and made you think. I think that was always Seth MacFarlane's intention. 
And with the success he's had over the years with Fox, they just went ahead and let him go for it. Um, the show, I, I was watching some early Orville the other day, and it was a lot more silly in the beginning. There were definitely like beats for jokes. Pause for this, pause for joke, yeah. you know, laugh here. Those, those beats are almost gone. Um, now, if something's funny, it's just funny because it is. Uh, the beats are like totally gone. They're not trying to force comedy so much in the Orville anymore. Yeah, I watched. I saw the last episode I saw was the the one where they go into like the nightmare zone, where the those lizard people are like, "Don't go there. There's demons." That that episode's dope. Uh, that was the last one I saw. Yeah. But yeah. What else have you been watching? I think I think I got. Uh, you got anything, Gary? I've been watching some stuff that I that I saw was on Drew's list. Also, uh, I've been watching Hacks. I watched. Uh, I know Drew talked about Hacks. Our friend Connor talked about Hacks. So Annie and I sat down. We blasted through season one and two. They're just eight episode seasons, so they go by really fast. You can watch them in like a sitting almost. Yeah, only um, half hour episodes. Usually pretty short. And I, I really think that Hacks would be... I think I would like it even more if I was a mother with a daughter or a daughter that was, like, you know, maybe just a daughter. Maybe a daughter that had a relationship with a mom or didn't. Either way, there's a lot of mother-daughter type of uh, relationship stuff here. And it is just such a joy to watch. I, I love watching it. And Hacks reminds me... Uh, sort of like Ted Lasso, in that I think both of them are Hallmark shows that uh, somehow they they get a free pass for not being Hallmark shows. Yeah, I uh, I really like Hacks. I think Gene Smart's pretty incredible in it. I would say I really liked season two. I don't think season two was quite as strong as season one, but it did still push the story forward and there was more character development. I think it was a worthwhile journey. I'm interested to see where they go from here, but um, I thought season one was like pretty incredible. Season two, I thought was solid. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think season one was also better. Season two was good. Um, I do think it's weird that now literally every, almost every single character except for the agent has had a sexual relationship on screen. Uh, I guess, I, I guess you really have to show every single character having sex. <laughs> we get it. People have sex. <laughs> I get it. Well, uh, I didn't even talk about that. But yeah, it's just not that interesting to me to to show every single character sex life. That lady looks familiar um, to me. Is she from Sex in the City? No, no, hmm. no. But she's been around for a long time. I first ever saw her in the Brady Bunch movie. So there we go. Wow. Was she uh, the mom? Um, no. Hmm. After <laughs> hacks, <laughs> uh, Drew, you also have only murders in the building. Yeah, I started this but, up because I know the second season's currently running. I've mm -hmm. started the first season because it was kind of on my to-do list for the past year, basically, uh, since you talked about it. Because I've heard good things about it. So I've watched the first two episodes of it. And so far, I like it. Uh, I like the character. I like Steve Martin and Martin Short whenever they're on screen together. Obviously, they have like a long history together. So they just have a great chemistry. And uh, Selena Gomez is a, you know, 
a nice fresh addition to that too with somebody younger and everything i i do i think the story is intriguing enough i'm, I'm interested to see where it goes he does not take away from their chemistry at all and she plays great with each of them individually uh when all three of them are on screen it's kind of weird they they don't have a great team synergy but she plays off both of them fine when they're in solo scenes uh we watched all of season one we love only murders in the building and season two is off to a great start i would say i think um there's like some stupid relationship stuff they throw in the end of season one with Selena Gomez's boyfriend character, uh, and they just write him out with a line in season two. She's like, oh, yeah, I don't think that's going to end up working out. And then you just never see him. So, you know, they get rid of him, which is fine. Uh, the big finale at the end of season one was like dumb. It was like they they solved the thing and then the police arrest them all and then they all go to jail. And you're like, what? That's dumb. And then season two starts, and they're like, oh, good thing we're done being questioned and we're out of jail. <laughs> they're like, okay, good. I'm glad they got rid of that. Why did they all get arrested again? Uh, and then they and then they start to fix season two. So uh, I love Martin Short in this show. The character he's playing, the sort of uh, washed up, has been, or never was off Hollywood director who just thinks he's the hottest thing since sliced bread. Uh, he's really, really funny. And then Steve Martin is, uh, uh has been a TV show detective. Uh, so he's sort of playing the straight man. Martin shorts, hilarious. Selena Gomez fits in. Um, I didn't think they'd have much more to do after season one, but here we are. Is it on season two is going great. It is on Hulu. Yeah. It's a it's an easy watch too. It's a it's a fun watch, and even though it's about murder and stuff, it's I've not seen the like first gross. Two or three, it was pretty good. I liked it. I just I don't know. It's one of those ones that I just put down and pick back up. You know. Yeah, that happens. And the only other show that I've been watching, um, you know, we talked about those. I mentioned before I started watching The Sopranos. I finished season one. That show is very good. Um, once I finished season one, I was catching up on some other shows, uh, but I have finally started up season two. That's really all I have to say about it. Um, other than it's great. I'm not tre treading any new territory here when I say The Sopranos is good, so I'm not going to waste no. anybody's time with that. Um, it's good. That's it. Never seen it. Uh, it's good. So I'm told. <laughs> um, I guess that was it for you guys. I have been watching... I don't think you guys have watched Stranger Things at all, even still, huh? Yeah, so season... The second part of season four came out. Uh, and the first one is like an hour and a half long. The second one's like two hours and 20 minutes long. It's like a whole movie. It's ridiculous. Uh, honestly, a little long. But both of those are... They were fantastic. Uh, and the, the last two-hour epic movie is insane. It gets out of control... The, like, the graphics, the special effects, the story, just how intense everything gets. It, it's awesome. I know you guys, I think you guys, did you both stop at season two? No, no okay. I ended up, more. yeah, I ended up having watched all of season two and all of season three, and I just forgot about it. Gotcha. So season three, uh, season two is definitely the worst season. Season three is great. Season four is fantastic. Um, it, I don't want to spoil anything in case you do wind up watching it. 
but just the places the characters get to, uh, they, they really build on, like, the mythology and, you know, just where everything came from. You finally get, like, some answers about the Upside Down and that kind of thing, uh, so it's not as just abstract a concept anymore. Um, it, it's just really good, man. It's such a... It's some of the best TV I've seen. It's... it's I can't recommend it enough. Um, the other thing... Yeah, I don't think you guys watched this one either. The boys uh, just had their season finale as well. Um, and that episode was so good. Everything you want to happen happens and more. Things that you weren't expecting happen. Uh, the heroes come together. A lot... Homelander is such a good villain. Uh, the Both the actor and just the way they write for him, the, the choices they make in the plot, he's such a good bad guy. He's such a... You, like, at times you feel sympathetic for him, uh, but, like, he's absolutely uh, uh, a hopeless, irredeemable bastard, for sure. But, like, you know, they still make you sympathize with the guy from time to time, and he still makes choices and you're just you're just very interested in the writing um i th the season finale was fantastic i thought it was great 10 out of 10 i i wasn't sure how because you know how they they do all the super violence they do all the like sex drugs and all that stuff it's all very in your face but then they wrap it up just so well story-wise it's just it's good it's good stuff uh never watched that show gary <laughs> <laughs> no, I've I've seen the first season. Uh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, it gets way way more bloody. Uh, yeah. The last thing that I've been watching, I think I'm completely caught up with Miss Marvel. Um, I meant to be for sure. Have you guys been keeping up? I I don't want to talk about this too much because I if if Gary has still been watching it, we might do a full episode about it. Actually, by the time this episode drops, the finale will have run, but we might do a, a, a recap. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. I won't talk about it too much. I have none of the three things that I'm talking about here. I'm going to give too many spoilers because you guys haven't really seen a lot of it. And, you know, just on the off chance that you want to. Plus, these, like, just dropped. Miss Marvel, so they get more into it. I really enjoy. There's a there's a, an episode where they're in Pakistan. I really liked that. Um, I always. I mean, I like watching travel shows because I just like seeing you know the other cultures, other places, that kind of thing. And you get that vibe. You you know they do take you around. Uh, she's a fish out of water there, and they do talk about you know being a you know American raised. I think they have a word for it. Uh, I think they call, call her an ABCD, American born clueless clueless desi or something like that which is like a term for pakistani people and she like rolled her eyes at it blah 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 but you know i could definitely sympathize i don't know if i ever went to iran you know i'd definitely be a fish out of water i don't even speak the language uh so it was just cool to see that cool things happen with their powers long story short um and they have a really cool sequence involving some train stuff i liked it um I still like the show. I still like the way it's going. I, I have hopes for it. I have hopes for her character in the Marvels, whenever that comes out. And I think she was cast just... I can't say it enough. She was cast perfect. Like, she's absolutely Comic-Con. It was nail on the head. This is... I don't know. It was good. Oh. Yeah. And then I think y'all had a game that you wanted to talk about briefly... And, uh, and then we'll wrap up. This game. Oh, boy. 
this game. Oh boy, Drew. Oh Drew. I oh, actually Drew. saw this game as a newly added before I knew y'all were playing it. I saw it as a newly added game oh, to Game boy. Pass, and I went and read the description. I was like, "This looks oh, like boy. it's going to be right up Gary and Jahan's alley." And then I saw oh, either yesterday or the day before y'all were online playing oh, it boy. together. So I'm like, "Okay, oh, yep." So boy. I'll start off. So there's a lot of this style of game. Uh, it's you know a top-down RPG fantasy Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing. You you have turn based combat, turn based combat, grid combat. You have conversations with people. It's like a la Baldur's Gate, circa ninety eight. It is just it, it's it's in the exact same vein as Baldur's Gate. Baldur's, Baldur's Gate two, Shadow of Om, one of my all time favorite games, uh, like period. This game is very much like all those, but this game I don't know. It does everything better. It is crazy how good this like with every time something would happen me and gary would be like what like we would just like freak out um well, i think i'm i've started to figure this out yeah remember whenever wizards of the coast made like the players handbook stuff free but yeah. all the other stuff isn't free maybe this company uses everything from the players handbook but none of the extra stuff you think that's what it is that's exactly what it is. They use the exact D&D 5E rules to the point where we already know if we equip two offhand weapons, we already know exactly what the stat bonuses are going to be and how it's going to interact with rage and yeah. everything because these rules for this game are D&D 5E. The spells are from D&D 5E. I mean, it, it is... Almost all of them. If you and three other friends... You can play two-player. We play two-player, and we each have two characters. But if you played with three other friends, you had your party of four, you go on, you make your characters, and you start playing this game, you are just playing a DM-less version of Dungeons & Dragons in the every best possible way. This is the most Dungeons & Dragons experience I've ever gotten from a video game, I think. Um, it is co-op... It is cross-play, so Jahan plays on his PC through Game Pass. I play on my Xbox. We can both play together seamlessly. Um, every, like, three or four hours, maybe, the game will have a hiccup in between the turns and get caught up. If you leave the game, save, and then load, you don't get stuck in the hiccup anymore. It's pretty you get good right back into the action. It takes, like, it takes, like, 45 seconds to get back into the action. If your team dies, your autosave is right at the beginning of combat instead of at some crap turn or instead of 10 dungeons back. Uh, the autosaves are great. The skills are great. The game, play, it's it's rough. You'll die in a heartbeat if you're not yes. careful with uh, your party composition and you don't know about healing in D&D. It is just so fun. I wish that there were two Jahans I... so that one could go to Jenny's house and one could stay at his house and play Solasta <laughs> with me. Yes, uh, so um, this is, I don't even know if we said the name yet, this is Solasta, Crown of the Magister, free on Game Pass right now, it has some DLC, which you which is pretty cheap, that me and Carrie bought all of it almost immediately, I have never seen better AI in one of these games, ever, never ever, in a mil I've never seen this kind of stuff, they do 
they do stuff that's mind-blowing. Like, fly, when you're fighting flying creatures, a lot of times in games, they're just, you know, hovering above the ground, and you can hit them normal. These ones actually change what height they're at. They move around. It feels like you're fighting flying creatures to the point where you're like, oh, no, I can't hit them because they keep flying away from me. Uh, yeah, I, I was playing a barbarian, so I had two hand axes and a greatsword. So I can't hit the flying creatures. I threw my axes, and that was that. Gone. I threw them, and I missed. Yeah. So I was just standing there while bats would sweep down and attack me and fly away because that's what happens if you don't have a ranged character. Uh, and that's right out the gate. We're fighting flying characters. Then we're fighting characters with regen, uh, characters that have spider climb, and they're up and down walls. We walk into a dungeon that's just pillars that drop like three stories, and there you have to jump across all these ancient broken ruins to get across the room. Then all these lizard folk start like climbing up around you, up the pillars. They start coming along the roofs and spitting acid at you. Uh, the graphics for Solasta aren't great, but it makes up for bad. everything. It makes up for everything else. You pick your character's starting gear, just like you would in Dungeons & Dragons. You pick your background, your languages, uh, you pick your, your class and your subclasses. It is Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, the game. Yeah. And it is great. Uh, a lot of the things... I, I wasn't ready for how real it was going to get, man. A lot of the things that are kind of like throwaway spells, like light. Like, you know, you don't necessarily think light's important. The lighting in this game has been so important. <laughs> like, we, we keep getting disadvantaged because things are obscured by darkness, so I actually have to cast light. Uh, what was the other? Jump. We need jump. jump. We needed the, the jump time. spell. Like, and, like, I circumvented had... it by teleporting, which was cool. Uh, it's just, it's it's one of the best D&D analogs. I've I got ever knocked played. off. Of like a four-story ledge, and Jahan had Featherfall prepared, so it let his character use Featherfall as a reaction off turn yes. to save me from falling. Like it was and just so fun. It was awesome. Oh my god, um, Drew! It's, I'm playing a barbarian and also a druid. I'm having the time of my life. I imagine it's still just as fun. Single player, you get to make all four characters, uh, or you can do two and two, or you can do like you know you can do any mix. You can play one to four players, and also infinite content in this game it does have a creation mode where you can make dungeons make quests uh all that good stuff too fantastic and community made dungeons that you can play the community made stuff oh uh, yeah that too yeah i look forward to checking that so this this game blew my mind man did not i loved the character creation so much i made six characters back to back before i ever started the game <laughs> you can only play four characters i don't know what i was doing yeah Play Solasta if you like Dungeons and Dragons. If you're looking for a D&D experience and your group can't make it, um, it's not like Dungeons and Dragons. It's not like Diablo. It it, it is it's Dungeons and Dragons, the video game. Finally, there it is. Yeah, it's it's D&D in its purest form that I've ever seen in a video game. I'll say it again: Solasta, Crown of the Magister, fantastic, and the story's pretty good too so far. So. Certified fresh out the box. Certified fresh out the box. And free on Game Pass. Also, go watch Alone in the Orville. <laughs> and Stranger Things. Uh, but yeah, I guess that wraps us up for tonight. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Hit us with hashtag uh, Alone in the Box uh, on Twitter. I am Jahananon at Rockfact on Twitter. 
It's me, Casualty CDG. Come watch me and Jahan play tabletop role-playing games Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at twitch.tv backslash Jahanan or on our YouTube, Fresh Out the Box TTRPG. We play and you watch and it's fun. And I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. This has been episode 54 of Fresh Out the Podcast. Thank you for listening. Stay fresh. <laughs>